it's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. As we get into Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, want to address Vegas Pete's text that he had in the last hour, 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Sam and Ash text line. He said, speaking of Raider defensive backs, do you think Gillespie, Robertson, Johnson, or Nixon make an impact this year? I'd tell you, Hayward, we need him to stay and Mullen to stay healthy, or does Hobbs get moved to outside corner? And Vegas Pete, thank you for the text, my man. I do appreciate you, and I think that the cornerback position is something that very well needs to be addressed uh, by the Raiders. I mean, I don't think that there's a whole lot of guys in the stable that can that are going to be able to go and transition uh, into this next defense, and not because they can't play. I just don't think that there's – you know, the quality is there. I don't think Hayward's going to stay. I don't think they're going to tag him. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think that uh, at his at his age, you just go ahead and let him test the test the waters. If you if you really desire to bring him back, you can get him back. You know, you might have to to hold out a little bit and see what happens when he goes on his on his visits. But I honestly think that Casey Hayward's going to be a Gus Bradley guy. I think he's going to end up where Gus Bradley is, which is the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, that's just that's just my gut feeling. I think that he's more comfortable playing in that. And if you have an opportunity to to get one more contract and potentially a, a decent-sized contract, especially after the season you had, why not go do it with the system that you know, right? And so I think that he'll go with Gus Bradley and the Colts and end up there. But then again, the Colts have some pretty good defensive backs there already, so maybe they don't really need him. So it does open the door for uh, potential for Casey Hayward to come back. I wouldn't tag him, though. I would just see how it all shakes out. As far as Gillespie goes, he could be a guy that plays a role, you know, in that safety position. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really know. I think he's he's good as far as depth goes. Um, you got Johnson, you got Robertson. Um, is, he, is Mika still on the team? Is he still on the team? He's listed on the, um, when you mentioned over the cap, he is listed on the team's list of salaries. I can't. I, I, He's I, still on the team. It's almost. I almost forgot about him. I know he. I do remember him playing. Uh, now in the. I think it was the Dallas game. It was one of those games towards the end of the season. I almost forgot that he was still on the roster. But I, I kind of think that he's just a depth piece. I mean, really. Um, and then Johnson, I'm just kind of whatever with. You know, to be honest. Uh, I think that. I think that Mullen. I like Trayvon Mullen a lot. I just don't think that he's ever healthy enough to to be. You know, stay stay on the field. And that's unfortunate because I think he has some really good ability, but he just doesn't he just doesn't stay healthy enough. Uh, Hobbs, I think that that's kind of your, that's almost your, not your joker, but it's it's almost one of those ace, aces that you have where you can play him wherever you want to play him. I just think that Nate Hobbs is a, is a ball player. You could play him outside, and I think he'll thrive. You could play him inside, and I think he'll thrive. I think that Nate Hobbs is going to be really good. That's a good piece to build around. As far as the other corners go, I just, I don't see it. I really don't. I don't know where you're going, where you're leaning, saying that guy is one that I could build around. I, just, I don't see it. Yeah, so for who's at Vegas, Pete, his text, yeah. as like, do you see any of these guys having a big season? We don't know if they're going to be back next season. Right. I, I don't. I think Tyree Gillespie will help out as far as the safety position goes. Uh, I think maybe depth, you know, and, until he could prove that he could be on the field all the time. But I, I just thought that's why I've been saying that I think that they need to go and get a free agent defensive back, somebody who knows the scheme of uh, Patrick Graham. Either, either a James Bradbury that is currently with the Giants or go get a guy like a J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore or so, someone like that, someone who's comfortable with the scheme. And then I think they need to draft someone as well. I mean, I really do. I think, and especially with what we saw from, from the combine this week, I think what it told me was that this draft is very defensive heavy. Very defensive heavy. So if you need defensive players, I think this is the draft to get them. And the Raiders need, well, they need uh, just talent in general. 
but they definitely need some help on the defensive side of things. I think that going and getting a a, a, a defensive back, whether it's in the first round, second round, third round, I think it's a good bet. I think the Raiders should go do that. Exactly. So I don't see what would be the problem of signing the big high price cornerback in free agency and still drafting a corner early. I agree. Maybe, maybe not first, second, third round, right. and still double up. I agree. I, I think that's how it should be. I really do. I think that they should definitely address uh, the cornerback position in free agency. I absolutely 100%. If you go with the Giants and go with Bradbury, you're probably going to have to make a trade. And right now, according to most, the Patriots aren't going to franchise tag J.C. Jackson, which I think is insane. Even if something's wrong with them, I think, I think that that's insane. But, uh, you know, hey, they, they do what they do. And that's fine. If they let him be a free agent, there's going to be a ton of teams that are going to throw a ton of money at him. But I definitely would do it. And if you don't get J.C. Jackson, then get Stephon Gilmore, who even at his age played really well for Carolina last year. Exactly. And if it was, and if it came down to paying the same amount of money for Hayward or Gilmore, I think Gilmore is winning that on just about everybody's book. Yeah, because well, he fits the scheme. He fits the scheme, and he already knows what they what they want to do. So it's it's the same scenario as getting. Casey Hayward, because Casey Hayward was a guy that you knew fit in with what Gus Bradley wanted to do. The minute the Raiders signed him, you had a pretty good feeling that he was going to be a good player. Yeah, I know it's not the same as with last year with Gus Bradley with the scheme, but this we're talking about personnel decisions. Kyle Van Noy was released by the Patriots today. Yep. I could see them saying, yep. hey, Patrick Graham, do you think he'll fit your system? We know he fits character-wise. Mm-hmm. We know like the effort that he's going to give day in, day out. Let's bring him in. I have no doubt that he's going to have interest from the Raiders. No doubt. You know, he's he's in a position of need where they need to go ahead. And I actually had, had that written down for uh, for one of our notes for cover three, just because when I saw that, I think everyone kind of put the two and two together real quick, fast and hurry. It was like, oh, there you go. Uh, that's a guy that could potentially be a Raider, you know, because just because of the familiarity with the, the Patriot system and, you know, Patrick Graham, I know he comes from the Giants, but I mean, they're, they're, those roots go back to the Patriots. And that's what Kyle Vendoy, you know, that's that's who he is. And I think that they'd bring him in for a couple of years. I just I have no doubt about that. So, I, yeah, that's a that's a good pickup right there uh, as well. So uh, hopefully Vegas Pete, that kind of answered your question. I think the, the bottom line is they need a lot of help in the corner quarterback position. I, I really do. I mean, I think that some of the guys that they have there are really good depth pieces. I think that Nate Hobbs is a really good piece to build around. And, you know, Trayvon Merrick on the back end, I think, is a good piece. I think they need to have another safety next to them that's going to be a, a, a big-time player, and they're going to have to go in and address the corners. I mean, I just that, I, it's the bottom line. I just don't think that they have the personnel yet right now. I think that that's an area that needs to continue to improve. Uh, let's see, what else do I have for cover three since we went pretty deep into that? Uh, we talked about Calvin Ridley. already talked about him for quite a bit uh, throughout the course of the show already. Uh, the Panthers are apparently getting calls about Christian McCaffrey in, in a trade, and I'll tell you. When Matt Rule took over the team, I thought the first thing he was going to do, even before he released Cam Newton, I thought he was going to trade Christian McCaffrey. I really did. Before they gave him a contract extension. I never understood. I promise you, I never understood why Christian McCaffrey was given a contract extension in Carolina. If you know Matt Rule's background, as many people do, he builds the team up. He doesn't just go in there and all of a sudden it's immediately a winner. He takes two, three, four years to build that thing up. Usually it's the third year. They're a really good team. So I never understood why they gave a, a, a contract extension to Christian McCaffrey when you know how much they use him. And he's such a big part of the offense, it didn't make any sense to me. I just thought by the time that this team becomes good, he's going to be worn out. And, well, he's not worn out because he hasn't had that much burn. But he's been injured a lot. And so now they're talking about getting 
getting different uh, you know, offers for, for trades, and they want a first-round pick. I don't know about you. I think Christian McCaffrey is really good, but would you give a, a first-round pick for, for him? Only because he can't stay healthy. Because he does do more than the average running back so when you, it comes but to you receiving. Wouldn't, you wouldn't. Oh, no, of course not. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't give a first-round pick for him. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. He's like a hell of a player. Is, yes. When he is healthy, he is the best running back in the league when it comes to all the things that he's he can. He's one of the best running backs. He ain't the best running back. He's one of the best. Yes, he's of up course, there. Derrick Henry still, he's, he's going to be first. I'm first about to say, that's your guy. How are you exactly. going to tell your guy? When it comes guy. to what he does like out of receiving, he's right. someone that could give you 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah, he could. He could, yeah. I just – I wouldn't give him a first-round pick for him. Uh, I, I think that the league has already shown you that they have diminished the running back position so much that you would almost look silly. It's one thing – I mean – People get mad when you when you draft a running back in the first round, let alone give up a first round pick by a trade to go get a, a running back, especially one that's been banged up as much as Christian McCaffrey is. So uh, I definitely would not give up a first round pick. So if they're going to hold on to him, they're going to have to come down, or the, if they're going to trade him, they're going to have to come down off that uh, that uh, that that demand of a first round pick. That's just not going to happen. Uh, a couple guys got franchise tag today: uh, David and Joku from the Browns, the tight end. And you know what's funny about this? I thought that this was I don't I don't want to say silly. But David Njoku is going to get $10.8 million guaranteed for the 2022 season being on the franchise tag. His career high in yards for a game came last season. He had 149. He never had another game with at least 80 yards receiving over his five-year career. Five-year career. He's never had even 80 yards receiving. Why is he being franchise tagged? Why is he being guaranteed almost $11 million? He hasn't even had 80 yards receiving outside of the one big game. He had 149. Well, they need somebody there to catch the ball. So you're going to guarantee almost $11 million to a tight end who a couple years ago was banging the table and saying he wanted to trade? Hey, That's man. the problem with Cleveland right now. Why in the hell would you franchise tag David and Joku? Is there any time in your life? Do you play fantasy football? I don't. Yes. Have you ever been like, man, I got to get David and Joku on my team? No. Exactly. Has anybody? Not that I know of. What, what do we say about uh, ugly babies that mamas even love their <laughs> ugly babies? We said that earlier. Even David and Joku's mama's not trying to draft him in the first round of the fantasy football. I'm hey, not, man, they spent the first round pick on him. I don't know the rationale b- b- behind why you I'm just need asking, David and Joku. What has David and Joku done in the league, in your opinion, that would be worthy of a franchise tag? Look at the other guys who've been franchised today. Orlando Brown, the left tackle from the Chiefs, he got a uh, franchise. That guarantees him 16.5. Makes sense. Protecting Patrick Mahomes. Jesse Bates from the Bengals. He was franchised. Makes sense. He's a ball hawk. He's a heck of a player. Chris Godwin from the Bucks is about to get franchised. Makes sense. But David Njoku? What has he done? What has he done? Mike Jacecki from the, the Dolphins? He's about to get franchise tagged. Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys? He's about to get franchise tagged. They both have skins on the wall. They have production. What does David Njoku have? Hey, one season, 2019, he was second in, rece- in receptions for the Browns. I don't know. Like, for the Browns. Yes. Yeah, not in the league. Maybe, for Baker, the Browns. Li- maybe Baker likes him. I don't know. <laughs> but ain't nobody else catching the ball there. You got to make somebody stay yeah, there. What about Jarvis Landry? He want to lead too. <laughs> so they just, they just handcuffing these guys yo, like some, you yo, ain't going yo, nowhere. Somebody got to stay. <laughs> Everybody can't be Odell. I will guarantee you $11 million to stay. Exactly. That don't make just no give sense. us those 45 catches a year, and maybe we just going to hope. Think about that. that 45 you can take catches. <laughs> God. 
That's the problem with Cleveland. That's why Cleveland's Cleveland. That is a problem. Could you imagine all the blowback that there would have been if that had been the Raiders had done something like that? Like if they had franchised Foster Moreau? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not trying to disrespect Foster Moreau. He's a good player. But the product the production is just not there. Could you imagine something like that? There goes the Raiders being the Raiders. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. There goes the Browns being the Browns. That didn't make any sense. When I saw that, I had to double take. I thought I was getting, not catfish, but you know how they get you on, on Twitter where it's a fake account. I thought I was getting got by a fake account. This past season, he led the team in touchdowns and touchdown receptions for the Cleveland Browns. How many do you have? Four. <laughs> exactly. You almost left out the key word and the key number. Four. Come led on, the man. team. Baker's security blanket. He had one game over 100 yards receiving. One. 36 receptions. 36 for the year? Whole year, whole year. You were giving you gave him 45 to begin with. I, well, you know, he had 56 uh, two years before that. You know, so I'm trying to balance mm, him out a little mm, bit if he's healthy. Mm, mm. That's about Yeah, that's about the same. Hey, man, Baker, like, uh, yo, I'm not a Baker fan, but they like to tell me Baker spreads the ball out. Baker's not just looking at Odell, you know, because Baker's moving the ball around. If you're open, Baker's going to get it to you. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. We don't understand the brilliance of Baker Mayfield probably. Maybe that's what somebody in Cleveland would tell us. I got to make a call to Cleveland. I got to ask, what in the hell would you franchise tag David and Joku for? You gonna call oh, that'd David be so funny. and Joku? David and Joku's wondering, you franchise tag me? Me? I had a girlfriend one time that 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 uh, flipped it on me. She had caught me talking to some other girl, right? And uh, I flipped it on her. I was like, well, you shouldn't be looking at my phone anyway. And she's like, me? You're putting this on me? And that's all I can remember is that me. That's what David and Joku's saying right now. Me? You franchise tagging me? Are you kidding me? I ain't even done nothing. That's incredible. Oh, no, 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 my brother. You got it all wrong because I'm sure he like, he's saying me, but he happy about that me. He might be. Because he's he, getting he, that 11 million guarantee. Exactly. He's not about to be skeptical of it. Shoot, he's going to be like, yeah, you're right, me. That's only you're a, right. I need that 11 that's million. That's only a one-year deal, though. It's only a one-year guarantee. It's well, like a placeholder. Wait till he steps it up and performs and gets that 80, those 80 receptions close to 10 touchdowns in the season. When's he going to do that? This this next season, he, he going to do it. Uh, is he? Yeah, he going he gonna to step I'm it up. I'm almost willing to bet you. <laughs> That he's not going to do that. I'm almost willing to bet you he's not going to do that. I'm almost willing to lower the bar. How many? How many? What? How many? How many catches is the most he's ever had in a season? Forty-five or fifty-six? It was at fifty-six. I don't even need to look. I know. Okay, fifty-six. I'm willing to bet you that he will not get seventy-five. Yo, I was just trying to big up my man. That don't that don't mean I think he's gonna do it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying best I'm, case scenario. I'm throwing it out there. I'm I don't want to bet, bet nothing on <laughs> David and Joku. But the but the the Browns are willing to bet eleven million dollars on Eggs, him. And, and I'm just trying to make it make sense. Alan, Hopefully, Allen in Vegas said, "Got to get Mary Kay Cabot on the phone and ask her." I don't get it either. Wow. Yeah, Mary Kay, she's been covering the Browns like a glove for years. She is like the she's like the I don't want to say the godmother. She's like the mother of sports there in Cleveland. She does a fantastic job. Good call, Alan. Uh, I'll definitely reach out. I, I'll reach out to a couple people in Cleveland because I, I got to know. I got to know what the infatuation is. And I know I'm probably spending way too much time on them, but it just blows my mind. 
how a team can guarantee $11 million. Also, the tight end position, the Kelsey's, the Gronks, the Kittles, Darren Don't Wallace. put him in that conversation. No, Don't put him in that no. conversation. But I'm saying, Don't you dare put him, him in that conversation. No. What I'm saying is, he ain't we even getting, on the same field. He's on the practice field. We getting caught up with receptions. Do we know what he provides in the blocking game? I don't know. No. Maybe he's a great blocker. Great. Great blockers don't get franchise tagged. He's not even on the same field as those cats. I was just, you know, because we get caught up in, you know, yeah. tight end yeah. basically being like another receiver. He doesn't even get allowed. You know, they're playing in Cleveland. They're practicing in Cleveland. It's cold there. He don't even get to use the indoor facility. He's outside. David, you go outside and practice outside. If you're in the Cleveland area and you're listening to this, you hear this. <laughs> if you happen to be the Cleveland fan, if you happen to be living in Cleveland, you're a Raider fan, you get this back to David and Joku. And you let him know Q and Demond want him to step it up. I'll ask this him. This should be all the motivation he needs. Not that $11 million, not playing for the next contract, not making it to the playoffs. You need to prove Q and Demond wrong, I'm a, I'm a David te- Njoku. I'm going to text a dude. We got a call real quick. Yeah, we do. Who we got? New England Raider. New England Raider, welcome to the show. Hey, Q. How you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. All right, so, uh, you know, I know you guys have been talking about a couple things, but uh, I was at the gym when you guys were talking. Hey, Damon, I was at the gym. You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't have to send Uh, out a picture to say that it happened either. No, no, and I heard that. I was like, oh, wait, this guy, he he is one of those. Because, you know, he's a little younger than me. But, yeah, they be putting that stuff on Instagram. They're they're all about that here. I know. It's, It's that generation. It's that generation. But, hey, one thing that was baffling me, absolutely baffling, and coming out of your mouth, Q, Uh is you're telling me that 130 plus, what is it, 136 million is too much for a man that I would, again, of course, bias here, right? I would consider a top five edge rusher, Max Crosby. That man deserves every single penny. You know what? And, you know, I'm sure you got something to say, but just, just hear me out, right? Top pressures in the league one of the highest sack uh whatever rate percentage you know or number of sacks i mean he is consistently a top five edge rusher pay this man the 136 million dollars he is like the epitome of commitment <laughs> like if al davis was alive right now this man would love max crosby are you kidding me dude ha- all right how many players have a tattoo of the Raiders symbol on their arm? Like, this man is committed to the team. He is a committed player, and I can't wait to see him get that contract that he deserves. I love it. Hey, I love it. And I'm not mad at you at all. And believe me, that was great stuff, great feedback. And the only thing I was talking about, I don't disagree with you really on any of that. The only reason I was saying that I felt like it was a little overpriced was only because of the sacks himself. The pressures, I understand, are there. The sacks just weren't. That was the only reason I said it. I don't have any problem with it. I love Max Crosby. I think he's a hell of a player. I love the fact that he was a fourth-round pick, and he's worked his tail off, and he's done better than a lot of first-round picks have done. A lot lot of first-round picks have done. And, I mean, he's just – he's like you said, he's been a commitment to excellence – He's been available for every game. Hey, I'm I'm with you 100%. The only reason I said that the money was a little high, and again, hey, if he can get overpaid, so what? Go get overpaid. That's fine. The only reason I question it is just because of the production of, of sacks, not pressures of sacks. But, no, that's good stuff, man. Great feedback. I definitely appreciate you. And the way to get to the gym and flex without having to take a picture of it and put it on IG like like one DeMond Cotton has to do. But uh, who we got up next, DeMond? Our main man, Fargo Raider. Fargo, welcome to the show, my man. Welcome. To, what's up? Hey, Q and Devon, how you guys doing? We are blessed. That's what's up. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm I'm all for him getting overpaid. The last time the, the guy didn't get his money, 
you know, we all sat there in shock for a few months. I, I feel like some of us are still reeling. I won't mention <laughs> the name because it's a soft spot still for many. And, you know, this whole, this little conversation you guys are talking about, the Njoku, this reminds me of, uh, I can't remember what week it was or who even the hell the name of the center was, but we, we decided to, um, this isn't a franchise tag, but we decided to protect our third center behind Nick Martin and Andre James the week that they picked up uh, Javen, or what, I think it is Javen White, and he went to the Jets. Mm-hmm. That just seems like a like an old-school Raider move. It just leaves you scratching your head wondering what the hell happened. Who was drunk when they made the phone call? <laughs> right, know? right. Well, and uh, I, I got a little care package of some treats here, some North Dakota treats going your guys' way. I hope you guys have a good week. Thank you guys for taking my call. No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate you, my man. And, yeah, I mean, there's always a move that a front office will make, and you say, what was that for? I don't get it. I always look at the franchise tag as looking at it as really good players that you don't want to let go. David Njoku, to me, is not a really good player. He's a player, and that's it. He's very easily replaceable, in my opinion. But to give the benefit of the doubt, I have reached out to Aaron Goldhammer, who does radio in Cleveland. He works for ESPN Cleveland. I did. I reached out to him and just asked him straight up, and I did not try to lead. I just said, Njoku, franchise tag, what makes him so important? I'm just wondering. So I'll wait for his response. If he hits me with it, then I'll, I'll pass it on, and uh, maybe he'll give us a better idea. But for me, I have no idea. But thank you so much for those calls. I do appreciate you. 322 is the time. We'll come back. If you have a call or text, we'll get to it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. In just a couple minutes, we'll go to Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus, talk about the combine, talk about the draft in general. I wanted to give you a quick update on David Njoku. I don't think they're talking about Njoku as much in Cleveland as we're talking about him here on Raider Nation Radio 920, but that's what we do sometimes. We go down that rabbit hole. I was talking in the last segment about them franchise tagging him, giving him almost $11 million and said, I don't understand it, so I got to reach out to someone in Cleveland to get a response. I reached out to Aaron Goldhammer. He does uh, he does radio for ESPN Cleveland. He does a fantastic job. Also ESPN National. Done a couple shows with him. I asked him about Njoku and said, I don't get it. What's going on? And he responded, LOL. He's a physical freak who has never put it together. Now I got a phone call coming in, of course. Hold on. They love him and know he's get, he'd get the money on the open market, but I can't believe they want to pay $11 million for a guy who struggles to catch it consistently. They think, they think more of him than I do. He's no Waller. There we have it. So he's a physical freak. Physical freak. So be a physical freak and you'll get $11 million. A specimen. I like it. I like it. Speaking of specimens, Raider 760 hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 keyword r And we'll ask Deontay about this when he gets on. Q, how do you feel about Jordan Davis averaging 25 snaps a game at Georgia? Not sure if you touched on that, but I don't think the Raiders should draft him with that in mind. Have a great day, y'all. Raider Nation for life, Raider 760. And I'll say this. That's his biggest hurdle he has to overcome is proving that he's not a two-down defensive lineman. And that's the rotation he was using and used in when he was there at Georgia. So he's got to prove that he could be a three-down lineman. And if he can, then he's definitely worth it. As far as I'm concerned, and I've said this multiple times, he gives me that old Chester McLaughlin 
and Daryl Russell feel. I would love to see him on the Raiders defensive line. But again, the value has got to be there if you grab him at number 22. The value has definitely got to be there. What's the? What, what, go ahead and just tell me on there. Oh, yeah, Deontay, he just needs a couple minutes. Okay, cool. No problem. No problem. Well, we'll get to him in a few minutes. Right now we're talking about Jordan Davis and him only averaging 25 snaps a game at Georgia. For you, is that a red flag? It's not a red flag because we've seen he did, like I think some reports that Jason Fitz said, he lost about 40 pounds coming into the combine. And when he was on the field, he was elite at what he did do. So I think you can't hold it against them for the team utilizing him where they had those freaks at every position. And I think you can work in like the cardio. You can get them into playing like a higher snap count. But I don't think we can blame him for how the team decided to use him. Right. Well, again, he had a bunch of studs around him, so he was able to be a part of a great rotation exactly. as well. Where they didn't need him to play every snap. Right. I feel like if he was maybe at a lesser college where they didn't have a stud, where the defense wasn't an all-time great defense. Right. That maybe, yeah, probably if you put him on another team, that he would have had a higher snap count because they would have needed him more. But George is just like, hey, man, we just need you to be great for the for these snaps that you do play. Right, right. I, I, look, I'm okay with it. Again, uh, I think that, that he'd be a fantastic Raider. I would love to see him on that Patrick Graham-led defensive line. I really would. But again, the Raiders have to say, and any team that drafts him, hey, are we getting our value out of him? Is he going to be able to give us the snap count that we need if you take him at this time, at this position, I've seen him mocked as high as like 11. I've also seen him mocked as low as like round two. I don't think there's any way he's a round two guy, especially based off what he did this past weekend. But you never know how the draft. You never know how, how guys start to fall. I think that by what he, he did, everyone basically assumes that he's going to be long gone before the Raiders pick at 22. But you never know. Exactly. I think teams, they know going in. Where you can say, like, how many snaps did um the texter say that he only played in? 25, he averaged 25. He averaged 25. Where I, I don't think that team, you don't draft a player in the first round if you're going to believe, well, he's only going to play 25 snaps for us a game. I think that that's just something that once you get to the NFL level, now I'm not saying work around, but when it comes to conditioning and getting players in shape and knowing how to use them, as we kept saying about Patrick Graham and their system, the teams that the team that does end up drafting him, they're going to know how to use him and optimize his talents. I would think so. I would think so. And I think that he's going to provide a lot. I think he's going to help make Max Crosby better. I think he's going to help make Unique Ngakwe better. I think he's going to help everyone get be around him better just because he'll eat up so much space. And he'll be able to, you know, get to the quarterback on, on a lower level. You know, it's not going to be something he's going to be dominating. He's not Aaron Donald. Let's not make any mistakes. But, you know, he could be a guy, um, you know, who's, who's some of the guys that the Patriots have had in that position? Um, Richard Seymour. No, no, no. He's 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 a different build. Like a Vince Wolfork. Okay, yeah, he's a different build, but yeah. I think Wolfork, they had him. He could have been like an, an – Seymour, he could have been an edge guy, but they played him inside. Right, right, but right. But I'm just saying like in that position where they use him, something that he said that I like that he said because you mentioned Aaron Donald as a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. and people think, why can't every DT right. be Aaron Donald? Yeah. But he said somebody that he liked, he was like, is this going to be an older name? He said John Henderson that played for the Jags. Right. And that was like a big six 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 seven three fifty guy. Yep. We're just like those and that's, players. That's who he compares to. That's, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's who he compared himself to. Right. So it's nothing wrong with being like, hey, a pro, that guy used to be a pro bowler. Right. Where every defensive tackle isn't getting like 15 sacks. Like, hey, guys, that's not normal. What Aaron Donald does isn't normal. Right. No, If look, I'll tell you this. If you can get Vince Wolfork at number 22, if that's who you're getting, I'll take it. Vince Wolfork was a hell of a player. 
I would take it. But again, when we get Deontay Leon from Pro Football Focus, we'll uh, we'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, I did get a quick tweet. Oh, we got it right now? Okay, let's go to him first. We'll get to the tweet from uh, Raiders underscore MF talking about David Njoku. We'll do that after we talk to Deontay. But Deontay, uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. We were just talking about Jordan Davis, and we had a guy text in saying, hey, he only averaged 25 snaps per game at Georgia. Uh, is that a concern and that that's why he would say that the Raiders should stay away from him at 22? Is that his biggest hurdle is proving that he's more than a, a two-down back or two-down lineman? Um, I mean, I suppose so, but I, I almost feel like this is more of a draft Twitter or fan-led type of narrative. I haven't really heard anything from NFL teams or the reporters that we trust to kind of echo the sentiments of NFL teams, really come out and say certain, with any kind of certainty that they have concerns about his ability to play a high snap count. And one of the things that I will say um, I think was strongest in his case in terms of dispelling some of that information is the fact that he was able to play the majority of snaps um, in the national title game in the rematch against Alabama. And he was extremely productive in that game uh, when he was on the field. So I don't think that it's a matter of capability. I kind of overheard your guys' conversation. I do think that a lot of that is just because they have 13 to 16 guys that, you know, can not only play in the NFL, but probably play at a high level in the league. And, you know, you, you don't get to manage your own rotation. And I think that Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning at Georgia were just trying to make sure guys were fresh at all times. So I don't have like a conditioning or effort issue when it comes to Jordan Davis. If we were talking about like Albert Hainsworth level effort after <laughs> he had gotten paid, right now we're having a different conversation. But I don't think that anybody can turn on the tape from Jordan Davis and see somebody who does not want to be great at football. It is very evident in his effort that he wants to be as great as possible. And I'm, I'm excited by him. I really am. I think that he'd be a heck of an addition to the Raiders defensive but they're picking at 22, and I'm feeling like after what he did at the Combine this weekend, I know you can't judge it all off of the Combine, but he also has it on film, that there's no way he makes it to 22. What are your thoughts on that? I would be highly surprised if he makes it to 22. Um, I think that not, not necessarily because you can't see a nose tackle falling, to that, falling into that area in the draft, even when it's valuable as him, because that's obviously something that, that is, uh, that's a possibility. But ultimately, I think that the teams that are in front of the Raiders, uh, you know, especially in the teams, you have teams like the Vikings, teams like the Chargers, you know, teams like the Broncos. There are a bunch of teams that are ahead of them that, you know, are probably going to be playing some of those odd front three, four style of defenses. And a guy like Jordan Davis, like you can't overstate the importance that a guy like that has in defenses like those. So I would be highly shocked if he's available, if he's available at that point. What I will say, though, is that his running mate, Devontae Wyatt, is a guy that you can maybe grab, mm. you know, in the second round, late one, who I think, you know, the conversation I was having with some colleagues is that if those two play for two different programs, we're probably talking about them being almost neck and neck as, like, the best interior defensive linemen coming into this draft. Now, I think that Jordan Davis is a little bit more valuable because you just can't teach 6'6", 340 pounds that <laughs> right. can run a sub for 840, but... You know, both of these guys, you know, I think are extremely valuable, and I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunity to address interior defensive line in this draft, and it does not have to be in the first round. All right, Deontay, you were out in Indianapolis for the combine. We all know about the speed, but was there any takeaways from what you saw? Did anyone's perception change for you from seeing the drills or the times that they ran? I would say Devin Lloyd was one that I maybe came away a little underwhelmed about. You know, there was a lot of talk, especially in the middle of the college football season, that he could contend to be a top-ten pick as a linebacker, which we know 
is a reflection of a high level of value because it's pretty rare in today's NFL that you see linebackers go that high. So I think that him running, him running um, in the four sixes uh, was probably a little disappointing for him. So I'm interested to see what his pro day looks like. You know, I'm sure that they'll get him a nice little, you know, downhill running path to get him, you know, a little bit of a better time, you know, if they can. But I, I did walk away from that a little bit um, underwhelmed in terms of his speed score. Um, another guy who ran in the four sixes, but I thought had a really good performance at the same position was Chad Mula, who was the guy that I've kind of been touting on social media as potentially being the best or most valuable linebacker in this class, or at least in the conversation. I believe that he ran in the low six, the four sixes as well, but he had a great vertical, great broad jump. Um, you know, his bench press looked good. So he's pretty much filled all the athletic checkboxes that you're looking for. And when you turn on his tape, you see a guy who's extremely, extremely um, comfortable in coverage can move his hips well, uh, plays well out in space, and can still step into the box and add value as a run fitter, whereas I think that a guy like Devin Lloyd might be a little bit more raw, so I'm really kind of interested to see how conversations change at the linebacker position as we get closer to April. Talking right now with Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore D Lee. And how about the wide receiver position? Two guys that went to the same school, Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson. Alave at one point, they said 4-2-6. That was outstanding. Turned into a 4-3-9. Garrett Wilson ran a 4-3-8 a little bit faster than Chris Alave. What do you see when you see those guys on film? And which one do you think is closer to being a number one wide receiver? Oh, well, the number one thing that I kind of took away from was just like how fascinating it was to see that these guys almost test out very equally um, athletically in the combine. Because when you watch their games, they're not the same kind of receiver at all. Um, Garrett Wilson is a little bit more like short area burst, like very much like a sudden, you know, movement type of guy. So when you watch him, I think that you can transition or you can imagine transitioning him into, him into the slot. A lot of good production there, you know. Uh, with a guy like Chris Olave, who's a little bit more of like a smooth, top-end speed type of guy, very like a meticulous route runner, um, you know, played out to the wide side of the field a whole bunch at Ohio State where it's really difficult to get open, right, because there's so much space that you have to work with. Um, the, the ability to get open against press or off coverage was the thing that I was most impressed with with Olave. So I think that for the both of them, they probably got a Lee feeling really good, especially in comparison to a guy like Traylon Burks, who came in and everybody was wondering, is he going to be in that 6'3 range? Is he going to be over 220 pounds? And if he is, can he run sub 4'5? The fact that those things didn't happen, I think, opens the door for them to really put, for both those guys to push for potentially being the first wide receiver taken off the board in the draft. Should be very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of different areas that you know need to be addressed by the silver and black in the upcoming draft. Free agency as well, but in the draft, uh, I think that uh, wide receiver is one of them. I think corner is another one. And as far as the corners go, uh, how about Kair uh, Elam from uh, Florida? Uh, I hear I always hear mixed results on him. Some people are real high on him. Some people are kind of lukewarm on him. Where do you stand on Elam? I feel like you're throwing me an alley-oop here because Kair Elam is my guy. He's okay. been my guy for this entire offseason. Um, I'm a really big fan of his. I would not put him in the same tier as Ahmad Gardner and Derek Stingley. I think that those two probably exist um, in a tier of their own in terms of his cornerbacks class. But if you're asking me for the next best beneath those guys, Tyre Elam is at the top of my list. Um, he doesn't have the longest arms in the world. He's not the tallest, not the heaviest. But when you turn on his tape, you see a, you see a guy that wants to be physical at the release point. He wants to get hands on guys. You know, I can kind of cut it either way. If, if you don't like it, you call them grabby. If you do like it, you call them physical. You know, so <laughs> I guess it all kind of depends on what side of the fence 
that you fall on. But for me, I, I see a guy who, A, has the speed. We saw that at the combine. Has the explosiveness in terms of the vertical and the broad jump. And then when you turn on his tape, like I was saying, you get that physicality. Somebody who wants to contest the catch point at every, at every uh, snap possible. You can turn on the Alabama game where you're going up against what I believe would have been a, a sub-4-3 runner and Jamison Williams had the guy been healthy enough to run. And he was able to be in lockstep with him and win the physical battle more times than not. So I think that there's a lot that's still left on the bone for you to get out of a guy like Kyrie Elam in terms of development. And he's the guy that I'll be looking at to be next up in that corners class after I think Stingley and Gardner go in the top 15 of this year's draft. Where would you put, as far as tiers go, where would you put Trent McDuffie out of Washington? I would say that he's probably right in the same conversation. Like that next tier of corners to me is Elam, Trent McDuffie, and Roger McCreary. And they're all guys that, you know, don't have the longest arms, aren't the tallest arms, and aren't the heaviest. They all kind of play the cornerback position a little bit differently. With McDuffie, the one thing that I will say is that he absolutely is able to make up for the difference in size with his mentality and how competitive that he is. You know, playing at Washington, the one thing that I do wish is almost that we had a little bit more of him playing up against the top-tier future NFL star wide receivers so I could really see him tested at that level. But in terms of being a technician, and this is with Roger McCreary from Auburn as well, you see almost perfect feet, a whole bunch, somebody who can live in press, even as a guy who is a little bit smaller. And I think that while he'll probably have to be transitioned to playing in the slot, at the next level, I think that both of those guys, particularly with McDuffie, are players that you maybe have as a nickel corner, but if you but you can feel like, hey, man, if one of our top two corners turns an ankle or they have a stomach flu or something like that, you can kick this guy right back outside and he can live. Now, there may be some issues if you're dealing with the 6'3", 6'4", freak receivers that it feels like we turn into the NFL year over year over year, uh, but that's not to say that just because you get a tall corner out there that you can guard those guys because the best ones can't be guarded regardless. Um, I, I just think that, you know, in terms of his um, his ability to be able to move in different – and then obviously the ball skills that we've seen while he was at Washington, I think if you put him in the slot and you want to play a lot of man, you can eliminate slot receivers with a guy like McDuffie. Talking right now with Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Yeah, Deontay, Calvin Austin out of Memphis, he's a player – like he's obviously on the smaller side, but I think he impressed with his combine numbers – with the way Debo Samuel was used, do you think that some of these players will be able to be like maybe a joker? We know he's a receiver, but a player like that, does he increase his draft stock with that speed and being able to be used with the way the NFL is going? I mean, if you're not stepping in with the star profile, doing what Calvin Austin did is the next best thing, and that's to absolutely blow up these speed and explosiveness scores the way that he did. And, you know, to the point about talking about, you know, can guys fit into that archetype of Debo Samuel, I think that the league is going to continue to look for these guys, especially as, like, the running back position continues to be de-emphasized across the league. You know, more money is going to be paid to these wide receivers, and I think that we'll see this with guys like Amari Cooper, um, Devontae Adams, you know, these guys that they hit free agency. A lot of these guys are going to start commanding $20, 20000000 million to go play the wide receiver position. And if you get paid that much, um, I do think, or if you're going to be investing that much into the wide receiver room, period, you probably need a guy that you can say, and we can flex him into the backfield if need be. We can move him around. We need to have entire packages built around manufacturing touches and not just sending our speed guy 45 yards down the field and hoping that he's in one-on-one coverage and will win on a go ball, right? Like sometimes you just want this guy to be able to get the ball in his hands, whether it's on a screen or a handoff, the way that San Francisco does with Samuel. 
and just let him go turn these plays into glorified punt returns where you can go make a guy miss and get a whole bunch of yardage after the catch. And, you know, running as fast as Austin did definitely opens the door for those possibilities if he gets picked up in the later rounds. All right, you mentioned Amari Cooper, and on Friday, fans were giving me hell because I was like, "Hey, I still uh, think that he he's good." Here he goes. So you don't. I'm not trying to lead you anyway. <laughs> but is. do you think he's a number one option if a team were to pick him up when the Cowboys release him? I don't believe that he's a number one, but I think that he's a high, high level number two wide receiver, and sometimes that's just as valuable if you have another high level number two receiver next to him, which is basically what was happening in Dallas, right? Like they actually ended up having an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position when everyone was healthy. Because between Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, any one of those guys could be the number one wide receiver for a team, even if I don't necessarily feel like they're so dominant as wide receivers that they can stand alone and be able to beat double teams consistently, be able to always win against the best corners in the NFL. So a guy like Amari Cooper, while I don't think he's world-changing as a wide receiver, if you bring him in, that probably pulls you closer to what you want to have in terms of, you know, that that squad of three receivers that you want to put out on the field when you know that you got to pass the ball that can do a multitude of things. And that's definitely what Amari Cooper can do. The only issue with him that I, that I think is, is, you know, something that we've kind of heard about him in the NFL basically since he stepped in, which is just like his competitiveness and whether or not he can really accept, you know, playing to the level that you would expect of a guy that's going to get paid Twenty plus million dollars the way that he's scheduled to going forward in his career. Go ahead, Demond. No, ahead. I think. Hey, go man, ahead, Demond. Go think ahead. He backed up both of us on this argument. No, I think he's got the talent. The talent's there. We didn't question the talent. We questioned the want to when it comes to how much he's getting paid. Was the, our exact argument. Okay, maybe I'm attacking these fans because he's like, yo, he's a bum. <laughs> we had people calling, texting. Well, he's a bum. <laughs> I wouldn't touch him. And it's like, calm down. Okay, yeah, he's not a bu- he's not a bum. Is he twenty million dollars worth of receiver? That's what the conversation ultimately is. I don't know if he's twenty million dollars worth of wide receiver at this point in his career, but he's also too talented in the way that the market is set up. It's hard to get a guy like that without paying market value. You know, he's he's had thousand yard seasons. He's had extremely productive seasons. You know, in terms of getting in the end zone, you've got to pay guys like that with their bets and they hit the market. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, again, I think that ultimately what, what happens with Amari Cooper at every spot is what's going to continue to happen at every spot, which is that every fan base convinces themselves that it's going to work out and he's going to put it all together, and then you just get the same kind of Amari Cooper production and everybody kind of leaves feeling underwhelmed, even though he's a very productive receiver, you know, throughout his NFL career. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree with you 100%. That's Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore D Lee. And, man, I'll tell you, the, the time that we have with you, it flies by. I, I swear I could keep you on here about another half an hour, but the mom won't let me do that. So you got anything coming out of Pro Football Focus I need to be on the lookout for? Um, right now I'm working on just a little bit of a recap in terms of the people I spoke to at the Combine and the way that some things are changing in the – scheme world and how that affects how we evaluate players, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, which is usually my specialty. So looking forward to working on that. And then one of the things that I'm really excited to do is take a look at all of these freaks that came out of the University of Georgia who were running these ridiculous 40 times and putting up, you know, all these great numbers in terms of the jumps and things like that and see if any of those guys have had their stock changed. So Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Lewisine, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Nicobe Dean, all of these guys, I want to take a look at them post-combine to see where they stand in uh, relation to their peers. And then, obviously, you know, just kind of paying tribute to what I think was 
one of the most iconic defenses that we'll probably ever see in college football. So that, I know I'll never turn down an opportunity to go back and be a fan and kind of watch them dominate throughout that season. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. That sounds like a lot of good stuff. We're going to have to uh, go ahead and get you locked in to have you back on real quick, fast, and in a hurry because I definitely want to talk about a lot of that stuff. But, Deontay, as always, my man, I do appreciate your time. Thank you, man. You guys have a good one. All right, there he goes. Deontay Lee, Pro Football Focus, again on Twitter at PFF underscore D Lee. I had a couple more questions that I wanted to ask him, but we just don't have the time. I don't know where the time goes, Devon. I just don't know, but it does. It flies quick, fast, and in a hurry. 3.50 is the time. We'll come back, close out the show. This Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got a couple minutes left of today's show. I don't know where the time goes. Damon be trying to hijack the time. Don't want us to be heard. He wants to talk about Batman and his three-hour movie. You know, I just thought about that. How the hell does Batman have a longer movie than we have a show? Come on, Q, it's Batman. I know. That's what I'm saying. We here five days a week, but for that one movie, that one cinematic masterpiece. It's been done 5,000 times. Well, yo, it it hadn't been done like this before. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about you too in Batman because I saw a tweet and it was like Batman could have saved he could have saved half of the city if his Spanish would a little bit would have been a little bit better because it was like one of the clues it was it was a riddle in Spanish and it was you know so Batman. now you're supposed you're thinking he's got to be bilingual too exactly and I was like you would have made the same mistake for sure I wouldn't even he would have been thinking like yeah I know Spanish give me that let me read that oh yeah I do know it, yeah. no I do know Spanish <laughs> I speak it very fluently. And you would have let the city down too, because Q would have. <laughs> nah, Q's got this. Q speaks Spanish. Yeah, give me that. I got this. I'm. I'm uh, hey, man, I, I'll cover that, man. I'm great at Spanish. Espanol is in my, it's in my DNA. You know what I mean? I Just because you say it, don't make it true. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you say it loudest, don't mean it's right. Exactly. You got that? Like your wife? Yo, yo, you learned it from your wife? No, no, she don't know. She don't know a lick of Spanish. Oh, she doesn't either. No, no, she doesn't. I do. She don't. Oh, you? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She don't know. She don't know. She just, she know un poquito. <laughs> she know just a little All bit. All right, so, man, we got to get Harry Ruiz. We got to get you, like, you know, just do the show with Me you. and Harry, man, we can, we can, we can, we can flow back and forth. But man. I need you to do the full show in Spanish. Let's do it. I'll do it in Spanish. I have no problem, man. I'll roll my R's and everything. You know what I'm saying? I got this covered. Don't you worry about it. Got a text from uh, Raider Fish in Berkeley. Bruce Campbell, never forget. Jordan Davis is nothing close to Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell was a workout warrior. Vinny Bonsignor is coming up next from In the Huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. He was in Indy for the Combine. He probably saw some workout warriors. He probably saw some Bruce Campbells. Some guys that run really fast, are really strong, got the size, can't play worth a lick. That was Bruce Campbell. Jordan Davis. Bruce Campbell couldn't even hold Jordan Davis's jockstrap. Straight up. But we'll let Vinny tell you all about his adventures in Indy. On and off the field there at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. He'll tell you about it coming up next, 4 to 6 p.m. In the huddle right here on Radio Nation Radio 920.